We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. Zach Kelberman. Zach, today, you know, every time we get a little media availability man i feel like you know mana from heaven right i'm like starved for just anything newsworthy coming out of broncos hq and we got to hear a few things there have been a few transactions over the last few days but first things first i wanted to get your take on what sean payton said about the new kicker elliot fry your thoughts he basically said we're not done adding to the position and that he has to compete like everybody else. And um, I kind of had the feeling yesterday when they signed for our, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday, right? Losing track of my days now. Um, they went with him instead of Brett Maher, who I thought was the odds on favorite because he had a larger body of work. He's familiar with Sean Payton. When they signed Elliot Fry, who only has like seven field goal attempts in his career, I thought they can't be done. They have to add some competition. And sure enough, Sean Payton is not married to the idea of settling on one kicker. And he mentioned something that I talked about during his time in New Orleans. He rotated kicker after kicker after kicker after kicker until he found his guy. So Elliot Fry should not get too comfortable. Yeah. It's like that. Uh, the, the, uh, what would you call it? The little anecdote he shared about the big kicking battle two guys had in New Orleans saints training camp, yep. like all summer from OTAs to <laughs> summer. And then you start button up against the final roster cuts around the league. All of a sudden, a guy gets, you know, uh, shook loose from another team, and they ended up signing him and going with him instead of the two guys who were battling it out every day for, you know, whatever it was, two or three months. So we'll see. I think most people, Zach, have been relatively uh, unimpressed by the Elliot Fry edition, but. You know, you needed to get a kicker on the roster. You got a kicker on the roster. There's a good chance he'll end up being Denver's kicker this year, Zach, but there's also something tells me scratching at the back of my mind, not just because of what Sean said today, but just knowing the reality of the league, knowing this dude's resume, the kicker who will actually be doing work on Sundays for Sean Payton's Broncos is probably on another roster right now. Yeah, who that kicker is remains to be seen. Um, 
the thing about Elliot Fry, yeah, he doesn't have the biggest body of work. His long in the NFL field goal is like 44 yards, but he was the points leader, all-time points leader at South Carolina. So it's not like he has no experience. He's actually a pretty accomplished kicker and pretty accurate from what I can gather of his college tape, but this is not the last addition they'll make. I would expect a full-blown competition in training camp. Sean actually said some really interesting things. There have been a few different news items that I want to get to, but before we do that, I want to say hello to a few people in the chat, including GLP, the swashbuckler himself, Gary Palmer. Great to see you tonight, big dog. Thank you for the super chat. Helping us get things cooking early. We know tonight... You know, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a, a conflict because tonight's the night for the first time ever. The Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals, and uh, they're kicking things off this evening against the Miami Heat. So it's going to be hard to uh, compete with some of that because hey, it's exciting stuff. So we're hoping that the the Denver Nuggets end up on top in this series. We shall see. But Gary says, "Good evening, Chad, Zach, Scott, and Dylan." Sean Payton was almost glowing. When he talked about Dulcich, go Broncos. This is a perfect, perfect segue because, uh, and this was, of course, unplanned, Gary. You're just sharing a brain with us over here. Zach, For uh, and for those of you who don't know exactly what Gary's talking about, I just wrote a story on this, so check it out after the podcast. But I'm going to go ahead and read to you a couple of things uh, that he said, Sean Payton, when he was asked, hey, what has Greg Dulcich shown you so far in the offseason program, and what do you need to see from this dude moving forward? Okay, so real quick, I'm going to cut through some stuff, all right, but I'm going to get to the meat and potatoes. Quote, he had a good day today. He's got unique. He's got a unique skill set, and he's got traits in the passing game. We use the term joker where we can get matchups. Uh, and then he goes on to say, all right, um, he had one of his better practices today, et cetera, et cetera, talking about he has the, because he has command of the, of the route tree as a tight end, and the unique skill set that he has with his speed, short area quickness, and, of course, those hands, that, uh, you know, you can move him around, right? The 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 menu that can be used play-calling-wise that features Greg Dulcich, relatively speaking, especially in, on third down in the passing game, Zach, is uh, unlimited, all right? He's not um, – all right, one last – okay, one other thing. And so he talks about, hey, I've got some experience with tight ends, right? Jeremy Shockey, Jason Witten, Jimmy Graham, et cetera. Uh, he goes on to say this, quote, I'm not saying this young player will be just like them, but he's got traits that are exciting. And today was one of those days where you begin, Zach, to have a vision. We worked on third down today. The joker player for us is not a receiver. It's either a running back or a tight end with exceptional ball skills. And then you can work matchups. We've had that at the running back position. And listen to this who's who list. Uh, Reggie Bush was the joker, Darren Sproles, Alvin Kamara. Those were all unique players, not just in the run game, but they had a passing game skill set, Zach, that allowed you to do multiple things. And I think Greg does too. Close quote. Your reaction. First of all, I never really heard a coach talk about those terms by using the word menu. I thought that was a really interesting uh, choice of verbiage. Second of all, it's a huge, it's not so much what Sean Payton said today. I mean, it's, it does carry weight, but in comparison to his original comments on Dulcich from months ago, where he was asked about him and said, it was a tough evaluation when you watched the film last year. That's all he said. He even talk about him by name. So you can tell he's growing more comfortable with the players in the system. And he likes Dulcich in particular. The, my read on that 
And it kind of explains why they signed so many tight ends, Adam Troutman, Chris Manhurts, and Tommy Hudson. Now they're going to use Dulcich around the formation, not just as a traditional inline tight end, but they're going to split him out. Why put him in the slot, move him around, get the ball in his hands and good things will happen. That's the beauty, Chad, of having an offensive mastermind like Sean Payton. He'll do things unconventionally, let's say, but he's doing what's in the best interest of his offense and to maximize the skill set of his players. We haven't had that in Denver in quite some time. And it's just interesting hearing his, uh, that not just what he said, Zach, but the tonality of what Sean Payton said about Greg Dulcich now compared to what he said the very first time he was asked about him. In fact, if memory serves, hi, Michaela, just one sec. If memory serves, the first time, Zach, on record, he was asked about Greg Dulcich, that was the question that spawned the uh, painful experience of having to go back and watch film of this offense. And so naturally we inferred that part of the pain there was watching Greg Dulcich uh, film if if it indeed was painful but it's like two different things now but he also in a different way later on not necessarily on the subject of Greg Dulcich qualified a little bit of what he was saying which you can apply to Dulcich in that he shared some more anecdotes like he's the anecdote king dude uh, but he shared another anecdote about how you know sometimes you get players in the offseason they look great uh, other players don't look so hot. You know, this is these are players that you're trying to get to know as a coach. So in most cases, like traditionally for a guy like Peyton, that's rookies that you drafted or a free agency brought in or whatever. In this case, it's everybody because he's never coached this group, but that they look one way in the offseason. Then you get to training camp when the pads go on and the guys who are killing it in OTAs all of a sudden just become Jags and guys who were, seem to kind of be behind the pack a little bit all of a sudden rise to the surface because that's, that's where the game gets changed. And uh, so it'll be interesting, my point here. And then I'm going to grab Michaela to see if Dulcich's uh, joker status and kind of this profile he now has with Sean Payton continues once pads go on. Then we'll grab Michaela. Yeah, I mean, he mentioned Jeremy Shockey. And uh, say what you want about Shockey's mental acuity, but he was quite the pass catcher. And if Dulcich could be just half of that for this offense, they have so many pass catching weapons already. It just adds another one. Um Again, I just like the way he's fitting the pieces around the formation and utilizing all his talent. Dulcich is for sure a breakout candidate, and if used correctly, could be a long-term tight end one in the Peyton offense. So exciting um, just to see him. Look, all I did was tab over one time and StreamYard starts doing this delay thing. It drives me crazy. I can't use tabs anymore, and this breaketh my heart. Uh, Michaela, love you so much. Thank, Thank you for you, your Michaela. patience. So generous of you, the Duchess throwing down. She says, hi, priests and friends. Look, we're getting closer now. Come on, StreamYard. She says, hi, priests and friends. I think we need a more proven kicker. And then she says, Dulcich will win Sean Payton over. No worries. Seems like Zachy's already started to. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the tape, I, I know it was a hard evaluation for Sean Payton, but Dulcich did a lot of good, and it seemed like at one point last year he was the only, not just the most reliable, but the only reliable receiver out there for Russell Wilson or whatever quarterback was under center. So, yeah, I, I feel like Dulcich, not so much the hair or any of the intangibles, um, I think his skill set, his body type, his pass-catching prowess, what he can bring to the table for the offense intrigues Sean, and he's going to get the most out of him. And yeah, um, the kicker thing, look, that was one of the risks you you took as a team when you decided this late into the year, uh, into the offseason to cut your kicker. And Sean Payton knew that, which is why, you know, you got a little window into his actual thinking here when he started talking about how someone will get busted loose from around the league. Like this may not, we got to kind of move forward as if this is our kicker but it's probably not our kicker. We'll see. George Fox, bro, love you, big dog. says, what is your opinion on this new kicker? I think he's a joke compared to McManus, but that's my view. Zach, you've, you've done a little bit more in terms of analysis on Elliot Fry. Explain in a little bit more to these uh, to our great community what this dude is about. Well, I feel like a lot of Broncos country thinks the Broncos went from a Big Mac to a small fry. When you look at McManus's recent seasons he hasn't been reliable I just I don't really care who the kicker is per se I just want the kicker to go out there and make his kicks it's not a hard concept that's his one job Fry doesn't have a lot of NFL experience like I mentioned he was five of six I believe on field goals and five of seven on extra points I could have that backward but very limited sample size he was with Kansas City for a brief period He was with the Bengals for a brief period. He was with the Jaguars for a brief period. I believe he was in the Arena League back in 2019. But in college, like I mentioned, at South Carolina, he um, was the all-time leading scorer in points when he left. I think he had 358, and he had a long in the 50s there. So he can kick. It's not physically impossible for him. And why I'm encouraged, and I understand on the surface, you're going from a long-tenured kicker in McManus, the last link back to SB50, yada, yada. The Broncos made this move with the blessing, I'm assuming, of Mike Westoff, who they hired as their assistant head coach, special teams advisor, whatever. 
Mike Westoff is a legend. If Mike Westoff says this is the guy or I feel like this could be the guy, then we should all take solace in that and have some faith that they made the right choice. But even if you don't have that faith, they will bring in somebody else. Sean Payton pretty much said it himself today. Whether that's Brett Maher, whether that's Parker White, who, interestingly enough, he broke uh, Elliot Fry's record at South Carolina for points. He was the kicker there as well. So they'll bring, I think you're, you nailed it, Chad. The next kicker might not be on the Broncos roster. It might be on some other, uh, some other team's roster. And they don't have to necessarily get that figured out on June 1st. I'd say by training camp, when the bullets fly a little faster, you want your place kicker in place. But again, if Mike Westoff says Elliot Fry could be the guy, in Mike we trust. Scott, do me a favor and pull up. I'm just curious what the contract Matt Prater got. Uh, this offseason Colby what's going on big dog great to see you the triple c in the house saying greetings and go nuggets go broncos he says hashtag buck em. heck yeah dude I think uh, I think we're all united on that front unless you know there are people obviously as we say on this show Zach Broncos country not a geographic location it is in fact a state of being a lot of people that listen to this show that are fans of the Broncos and fans of this show who probably live in Florida and a good chunk of those are probably Miami Heat fans. So there are some people that maybe aren't too into listening to this show. Uh, the, the Denver Nuggets going all the way, but I think a majority are. Uh, the Matt Prater deal for what it's worth, and then I'm going to grab Howie, who dropped some huge stars. Two years, $7.5 with the Cardinals. Uh, so that puts you basically, Zach, in the ballpark that McManus was making right before he was cut. Uh, with the exception of, yeah, but Scott says basically a one-year deal for four million with the club option. Uh, with the exception of you don't get the, uh, you know, the attitude of a starting quarterback in a kicker and kind of the lippiness, and uh, you get much more of a um, bankable leg when the chips are down. That's for sure. Listen, I pulled up McManus' stats last year. He was seventy-seven point eight percent on field goal attempts. And he was making over $4 million. He was a top 10, at least highly paid kicker. If they get Elliot Fry for, I'm assuming, a very, very small money deal, close to probably league minimum, and if he can make more than 77.8% of his kicks, that to me is a trade-off that the Broncos upgraded on. I, a lot of this has to do with sentimentality and nostalgia for Broncos yes. country with McManus. And I understand that. But if you look at his record, his kicks, his misses, he has not been reliable. He's not been McMoney for quite some time. And the Broncos feel like they can get a guy in and Fry who, I mean, my math, what's five out of six, Chad? That's got to be, what, 90%? Uh, 83.3%, okay. according to the press release. I'm not a mathematician, but that's more than 77.8. So it's it's a little <laughs> a little bit better than McManus was doing. And again, if if Sean Payton signs off on it, Mike Westhoff signs off on it, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Howie, thank you so much, big dog, for your support, for your patience as well. He says, hey, fellas, seeing how Sean Payton operates, how short of a freaking leash do y'all think Russ freaking gets this season? Hashtag Buckham, he says also. Dulcich making waves indeed. So I want to also kind of couch this because, you know, we titled the episode around this. We haven't even got to it yet. And we are 16 minutes into our stream. Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL GM, uh, 
a sprig off the Bill Parcells tree, as it were, dating back to the late 90s with uh, the New York Jets. So he never crossed paths in the same coaching staff uh, under Parcells that Sean Payton was at the same time. That, but they are both Parcells acolytes, all right? And so with that in mind, Tannenbaum, who's now an ESPN uh, analyst, kind of thinks he has maybe, Zach, a little bit of the market cornered in terms of predicting or knowing how Sean Payton might view certain things. And to paraphrase, what Tannenbaum said was that, you know, people are out here uh, tripping on, can Russell Wilson uh, save his legacy? When in, that, in reality, can he save his job? He's quote-unquote fighting for his job. And that he talks about Tannenbaum, a Bill Parcells, you know, a little anecdote himself, must be a Parcellian thing, about how the first time he was in there, he, brought, he was with Parcells, they brought him in, Zach, to a room, all the coaches, all the assistants said, look, I'm going to trust my eyes, uh, and you guys are too. The best players are going to play. So he, then he goes on to say, look, Sean Payton – he doesn't want to hear about how big the contract that Russell Wilson has or this, that, or the other. The bottom line is the best players will play. And that seems, Zach, to be his main argument behind why and how Russell Wilson is, quote, fighting for his job. Your thoughts? I mean, I've said that on this podcast, so I can't say Mike Tannenbaum is totally wrong, but I feel like when you toss around the word legacy and you make those bombastic statements, you're doing so because you're on ESPN. It's kind of your job description is to draw people in, you know, listeners, viewers, clicks, everything like that. He's also an outside observer. And as you guys know, I don't put too much stock on what the national media, the talking heads have to say about Russell Wilson. Yes. The truth is that Sean Payton did not handpick Russ. He did not want to, you know, he didn't pay Russ. He wasn't behind that move. He has no loyalty to Russell Wilson, but I feel like he took the job knowing full well that Russ would be his quarterback for at least this year. And it would be in the best interest of both Sean and Russ for them to succeed together for the long term. So there's the the I don't know. I don't know how to how to couch it. There's the the shadow of Jared Stidham in the background hanging over Russell Wilson. That's that is the quarterback that Sean Payton did hand pick, but it's a little different going from a two hundred and fifty million dollar quarterback to a ten million dollar quarterback. And right. my opinion, Mike Tannenbaum can feel differently. It would take just a, a worse season than last year for them to yank Russ non injury related and put in Jared Stidham. And I, if you watch the tape from last year after Nathaniel Hackett was fired. Jerry Rossberg came in and uh, I already forgot his name. Who was the OC temper? Justin Outen. Yeah. When they were calling the shots, Russell Wilson looked like a damn good quarterback. He looked like he was rejuvenated. So a lot of it was coaching and there's no doubt about the fact that Sean Payton is an improvement there. So Mike Tannenbaum can feel how he wants. I don't think his legacy is on the line. I think Russell's legacy is pretty well-preserved. Nine-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion. He's one of the best quarterbacks of this generation. But in terms of long-term starting viability, Russ even knows he has to play well and much better than last year. Remember, there's a big difference. <clears throat> we talk about it on this show often. You can say that, you know, potato, potato. Uh, I would disagree. But there is a difference between competing Zach, and justifying your job, justifying right. I'm QB1. 
I don't think Russell Wilson is being pitched in any kind of open competition with Jarrett Stidham. So to me, if let's say, you know, take this back, Zach, and then I'm going to grab Sam to the spring of 2021. Teddy Bridgewater comes in. Vic Fangio says they're going to compete. Guess what? Drew Locke was fighting for his job. Literally. That was a, a guy literally fighting for his job as the incumbent. That's not what's going on right now. Sam, bro, love you. Thank you so much for Thank the you, super Sam. chat, big dog. He says, good evening, Chad and Zach. I really like Sean Payton's presser today. Still shocked and excited. He's our coach. Go Broncos. Also, good luck, Nuggets fans. I have them winning, he says, in five. Sam, you strike me as, uh, you know, very pragmatic when it comes to numbers and this and that and kind of projecting forward as a guy who kind of knows what he's talking about. So, I can get on board with that. Nuggets and five. Nuggets and five. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, and it feels like Sean Payton was a little more open uh, today with the press. I think the the last week's press conference, he was in and out in like five minutes. He didn't really want to take questions. He was very to the point. He's much more deliberate and relaxed today. And he offered, we, I was looking at the quotes before the pod and every quote they sent to us was a giant freaking paragraph because that's how much Sean Payton had to say. I did find it interesting though. He was asked about how Russell Wilson is looking in practice and he said he's doing well. It's a little bit of a contrast from the Greg Dulcich uh, quote that he had, uh, but he was talking about how they had third down uh, drills today. It's always a challenge when the offensive install is still this early and still premature. So he's riding Russ hard. Pause. He's showing him a lot of tough love, but that's how you have to coach Russ. That's how and what Russ responds to. And Russ even said it himself last week. I want to be the best version of myself. That's why he lost weight. That's why he's there without his entourage, without his private office private parking spaces. He is one of the guys and Sean Payton is breaking him down so he can build him back up. Nothing to do with his legacy, everything to do yeah. with winning in 2023. It's true, man. Some people, when it comes to leading, managing, etc., you can reach them in uh, usually two ways. And one is like feeding the ego, right? So for example, take a guy like, and I don't know this to be the case, but maybe a guy like Tom Brady was the type where, to really get the most out of him, you had to always help him believe in, in his heart that he was the, the best there is type thing. Another is it's a little bit more back to the Parcellian method, Zach, which is subtle criticism, right? Subtle, always creating a, um, always creating the feeling that you're competing, that it, nothing's for sure. And like in the case of Sean Payton, he's not, he complimented him, he said he had a good day. But he could have gone overboard like he did with Greg Dulcich, but he didn't. Why? Well, a guy like Tannenbaum would have you believe that the why is because Sean Payton has Russell Wilson fighting for his job. I don't think it's that. I think it's him. Like you said, this is how you got to coach Russell Wilson. We saw what happens when you give him a coach that just tells him he's the man and gives him carte blanche right. and da da da. That's bad version of Russ. You need to get back to the basics. And Sean Payton is is doing that. He knows what he's doing. And that's, you know, going back to like Terrell Davis earlier in the offseason, the Broncos needed to hire someone who, who couldn't just kind of think about what it would take to, to make this thing turn around, but know exactly what it was going to take to turn the ship around. And he's doing that with Russ right now. Drake, what's up, bro? Thank you so much, big dog, for the uh, super chat. Good to see you tonight. 
says, loved your comment on Dulcich, Zach. I love his fit with Peyton and a revamped Wilson. Do you fellas see a massive piece of contribution in a Peyton-led offense where Dulcich can shine? Maybe a move tight end, Zach? Uh, first of all, thank you, Drake. I really appreciate that. Uh, second of all, yeah, he pretty much said that's the role that he envisions for Dulcich is he brought up Alvin Kamara and Reggie Bush. I mean, those are running backs. Dulcich is a big tight end, but he's going to move him around to maximize his skill set. And depending on the play, the situation, the opponent, the game script, game flow, whatever, that's how they'll utilize Dulcich. So, yeah, I see him in a move tight end role. His blocking was never his strong suit. And that's the difference between Hackett and Sean Payton. Hackett tried to make Dulcich a blocker instead of just focusing on his pass catching chops. Whereas Sean Payton signed Troutman, Manhurts, and now Tommy Hudson because they're much better blockers. They can just be that extra offensive tackle and let Dulcich not have to worry about it and be, I don't want to say it in a bad way, but a more of a two-dimensional player as mostly a pass catcher. He's going to be an extra wide receiver out there, but good luck putting a cornerback on him and good luck putting a linebacker on him. I agree, but I'm still wondering with how much we've heard from Sean Payton about this power run game and run, 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 run how much we're going to see sets out there on the grass where it features anything other than a tight end going in motion because it's I think you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets where he's in line to start, right? And then, you know, a play, he's in line on first down. Second down, you know, he's in line, but then he motions. Third down, maybe he split out wide a little bit or moves around the formation or whatever, but – Greg Dulcich, when I start getting calls later this summer, Zach, from the fantasy football national shows across the country and they want me to do a radio hit, you get these two. One of the questions always is, who's the sleeper? Who's the guy that we, you know, fantasy football owners uh, should be thinking about that no one is right now? I'm going to say Greg Dulcich because that really to me was like what he said today was like ringing the bell. Mike, what's up, bro? Thank you so much. As always, big dog with your beautiful Buckham t-shirt in your profile pick the support dude you know it mike means the world to us thank you mike yeah you know in terms of fantasy i wouldn't rush out and draft dulcich because there's so much up in the air right now there's so much competition in that room i mean albert o's still in there what's going on with him they have like five or six tight ends including the college free agent they picked up if i had to throw a sleeper out there i'd say samaj p ryan and that's what even sean payton said today that samaj p ryan you know can carry the load and they can ease in Javante slowly if they have to. So they have a lot of talent on that offense. A lot of people don't know about yet, but they will as the year goes on. So Albert Okuebunam, I I almost forgot this. Not I'll get to it in a sec. Naj first. Naj, bro, love you, big dog. Great to see you. Thank you for the super chat. Looking forward to seeing you later here in a, just a few months. It's going to be here sooner than we think. And, uh, you know, Go a little bit easy, all right, because there's some things we got to talk about, all right? So go a little bit easy, then get to the game, and then just, you know, do your thing, right? But, bro, love you. He says, hey, brothers, I believe Peyton took this job with one goal, being getting as much out of Russ as Poss. To me, the biggest difference will be the play calling low. Hackett could not manufacture first downs. Peyton absolutely will. I love a lot of the um, verbiage that you're using here play calling flow, manufacturing first downs. You start you start thinking about oh not only what you know, Zach, about Sean Payton, but what we're beginning to learn more and more from the horse's mouth as we see what he does and hear him speak. And that is like today, the entire practice, 
third down, uh, taking pleasure in the uh, nuance of things, right? It's like when I um, trying to teach one of my teenage sons how to play guitar and, and I do it I, as a teacher, Zach, I'm a very rudimentary teacher as far as the guitar goes, because even though I'm very good at playing guitar, I never took a lesson in my life. So like, I don't, there's a lot of things about that that I don't know and I don't really want to know. Um, but the way I teach it at first, even though it's really basic stuff to them, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the hardest thing in the world. And you know, you got the repetition, it gets boring, etc. I want to just all of a sudden wake up and be Eddie Van Halen, but it doesn't work that way. And the way I explain it to them is, you know, you, at first it's going to feel like a grind, but if you actually find, let yourself go and take pleasure in the, in mastering the nuances all of a sudden it's going to open up and in different levels doors open it's kind of like one last thing it's kind of like reading too like if anyone who maybe has not always been a strong reader but someone tries to get you going in it or you you hear something i need to read more first time you 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 get to read in that first chapter or two you're going back you're rereading stuff it feels like a slog you're like oh my gosh but then if you stay diligent, Zach, and you stay at it, all of a sudden something unlocks, the nuance opens up, and boom, now you're seeing everything, and you want to keep reading, and you're having fun. Sean Payton is a nuanced guy. You take that from uh, everything from, like, third down focus. Because uh, remember, like, this is a guy who, when he's talking about a play that gets called on a fourth and one, did you make the right call? That decision, Zach, was made on Wednesday. You're on Sunday, but that decision already got made on Wednesday when they game plan against this opponent, pick the weaknesses, pick da, 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 da. And they said, here's our three or four plays we're going to call if we get into this specific down and distance situation. That's the level of nuance Sean Payton brings to the table. And I'm with Naj. I can't wait to see how that really shakes out for the Broncos. I've, and you're right in that we're learning a lot about Sean Payton because we didn't cover the Saints for all the years he was there. I feel like, though, he's the type of guy where he believes in a trial by fire. You, you get in there and you do it. That's how you learn. That's how you get better. I mean, I learned how to swim because I was, like, thrown into the deep end. You know, I just yeah. – I wasn't dipping a toe in at a time. I just went in there or I was put in there and I just did it. A lot of people are that way, and I think that's Sean Payton's coaching style. But he has to be realistic with himself, too, that the best way to maximize Russell Wilson is to make the Seattle Russ great again. And by right. doing that, you have to establish the running game. That's why they signed Samaj P. Ryan. That's why they're so high on Javante Williams. It's get the run game. That's why they signed McGlinchey and Ben Powers. Get the running game going and feed off that. That's how you manufacture the first downs. That's how you control the game flow, the game script like Nas was talking about. That's how you put points on the board. And most importantly, that's how you win football games. Sean Payton understands that. Nathaniel Hackett didn't. Well said. Well said. And George, thank you, bro. Again, he's saying what you're saying may be right, but it was a bad year for the entire team. Just saying. Yes, it was, man. It wasn't just one thing. That is for sure, big dog. And that's something, too, that uh, Sean Payton has been uh, quite clear about more than once. A lot of different people have dirt on their hands relative to the Broncos' 2022 struggles. So uh, thank you, George. Phil McLaughlin in the house down in Tucson, proving that Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being, baby. Good to see you, Phil. Love you. Appreciate you. It says, good evening, Chad, Zach, and Deacon Scott. I was happy to hear Peyton talking positively about Cortland Sutton. I wasn't sure he'd be here after 
today. Hashtag Buckham, hashtag MHH for life. Your thoughts, Zach? Cortland Sun, not that long ago, was a Pro Bowl receiver. He was a borderline top 10 guy. We were talking about, like, you know, baby Megatron and nicknames like that. He's still a damn good receiver, but he's lost his um, his way a little bit. He lost his motivation. He got paid. He got injured. Yeah, but so many years of playing with bad quarterbacks and bad offenses and bad play calling, that wears on you as a player. And Cortland, like everybody else, I'm speaking form right now. I can't say this for a fact, but I'm assuming – He's so much more rejuvenated now because you have a legitimate head coach in the building. You're going to have a better offense and that coaching by virtue will lead to better quarterbacking. So I never thought they would uh, get rid of Cortland Sutton after the draft. I felt like he was here to stay and he's more valuable, way more valuable on this roster than off the roster for a fourth or fifth round pick. Doug Raquel, what's up, bro? Great to see you. Really appreciate the stars and support, Big Dog, over on Facebook. We're very lucky. We have just such a great community on, on Facebook, a great community on YouTube. It's so rad. So it's great to see you, Big Dog. Um, okay, Zach, we're at 33 minutes. I think tonight, you know, relative to uh, the reality of the Denver Nuggets making history, whether they end up winning this thing or not, they've already made history by – appearing in the finals uh maybe you know let's get to a couple other things and and uh let people enjoy that game but um orange bucky i just want to grab this because he's in the chat a lot he wants to know an nfl exec made a comment about deandre hopkins he can't run anymore what's your take zach there have been quite a few people since uh hopkins was shook loose that have reached out to me hey should the broncos get after him blah 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 I'm not feeling any dire uh, compulsion to go prioritize DeAndre Hopkins, but what's your answer? Well, if they didn't have Sutton or Tim Patrick or Jerry Judy or, (laughs) I mean, uh, they have, or Marvin Mims, they have so many receivers. Why would you want to take on DeAndre Hopkins and add to a position that you're already strong at? How about a defensive end? How about an edge How about another running back, for example? They don't need DeAndre Hopkins. He's getting to that age where you start to use the term washed. It looked like maybe his production is going to a downturn. He's going to want a big contract. I mean, there's just no reason to do it. So I don't really care whether he can run or not. I just care that the Broncos aren't going to sign him. Just wanted a quick shout out to to Papa Bear, as he is known in his neck of the woods. Appreciate you being with us early on, David McElrath. Great to see you uh, in the chat. String guy, always appreciate you being here with us too. He says, Chad, as a longtime guitar teacher and songwriter, you should teach some music theory with the basics and encourage students to try writing their own songs. Yeah, here's the problem with that is I know how to write songs, but and I understand some of the craft around it and uh, some of the theory, but I only understand it on a instinctive level. Okay. So for me to try and understand, like when people say, you know, here's a chord progression, that's the two, three, four, and five or whatever, that means nothing to me. So I don't know how I could teach that, but I could show that to you. I could show you what chord progressions are like my go-tos that on the fretboard, which ones fit together really well. I could teach someone how to write a song. I really could. If they already knew how to play a guitar, I could teach them like a bass level thing. But I wouldn't know how to do that within the, you know, the actual, what's a good word, academic strictures of music theory. So I don't know. I'm kind of like a dude that, um, I don't know. I never learned those things. So, but interesting stuff. 
I've had a lot of people tell me that I should learn about music theory, like actual, you know, watch some stuff on YouTube. I'm a little scared to and nervous to do it though. Cause I don't want it to ruin what I have 20 years into this thing. But anyway, Zach, what other topics have we, uh, did we not get to, uh, the Broncos cut a couple of running backs. I don't think we've talked about this. We made a lot of, uh, much was made, let's just say, about the Broncos signing the XFL guy, Jacques Patrick, uh, Tyreek McAllister. Man, can't catch a break. He's on the roster. He's off. He's on the mm-hmm. roster. He's off. Got cut again. So they had to make some room on the roster. Those were the two guys, Jacques Patrick, Tyreek McAllister, shown the door. Uh, your thoughts about those guys not sticking? I feel kind of bad for Tyreek because he was cut twice in 19 days, but that's the cold, hard reality of the NFL. Hopefully he'll latch on again, maybe with Denver or another team. Patrick was kind of surprising because they signed him out of the XFL following that rookie minicamp tryout. He was the leading rusher or second leading rusher, leading pass catcher among running backs. I thought there was some there there, but like I tweeted yesterday, I put on Twitter, Jaleel McLaughlin stock with a rocket ship. I mean, that guy has to be considered the favorite for RB3 right now, and there's a lot to like about McLaughlin. So not too surprised about the running back moves. Another thing we didn't talk about was the Sertan PFF ranking, which I think is utterly freaking ridiculous. (laughs) So for those of the the morning guys talked about this this morning, Scott and Nick on uh, Broncos for Breakfast, and yes, all of a sudden string guy makes sense. Um, Pro football focus, look, it's that time of the year of the ubiquitous list, top this, etc. It's just what you have to do as a as an NFL. If you especially Zach, if you're covering the entire NFL, and unlike us, we cover one team. And even though, yeah, sometimes we're talking about this team or that team. If they're in the NFL, they they technically were were covering it on some level. But we're our focus obviously we're a team focused uh site, publication, channel, however you want to look at it. Pro football focus, they're they're national. They're covering all 32 teams. And so for outfits like that, this time of year in particular, Zach, they've learned that one of the ways to help them make hay with regard to page views, content, keeping the things rolling forward when nothing is happening are these lists. They end up being uh, quite arbitrary often, Zach, and uh, especially when they are informed one way or another by PFF's already arbitrary grading system. In the case of Patrick Sertan, Get this, in case you missed it, number four corner in the NFL behind, according to PFF, Sauce Gardner at number one, Jalen Ramsey two, Darius uh, Slay. Slay, thank you, three. Then you got PS2, and who was it? Jared Alexander rounded out the top five. So what were your thoughts on that? Oh, man. You know, I thought you were going to say that, like, PFF put this list out intentionally wrong to, like, drum up engagement interaction clicks and Wouldn't surprise me it might work but you lose credibility in the process and they fancy themselves as this all-knowing pro football hub when they don't know much at least about the broncos they he has no business ps2 being number four he's a top two cornerback and he's not number two he is the best cornerback in the nfl period, end of story. It's not even really close. Sauce Gardner had the appeal of playing in a New York market, and he held on every single play. Ask Cortland Sutton all about that. I (laughs) mean, Jalen Ramsey, that's another name value type player because he's been getting cooked in the last couple seasons. PS2 is the best corner in the NFL, and PFF once again shows they're not all that smart. 
you know, you read their actual uh, analysis on it and it's very shallow, but it makes you think the way they posture it. Well, you know, because he only posted as like 60 something grade as a rookie, then he posted a near elite uh, 80 something grade uh, in year two, like that that had something to do with the fact that he wasn't higher. In other words, one year wonder could it be a one year wonder situation, which it's like, okay, even if that were the case, theory kind of goes out the window, Zach, when you realize they put Sauce Gardner at number one, right? This guy had no had no uh, NFL resume at, before last year. It's his first year. So it doesn't really make sense, I guess. I'm rambling a little bit. Any way you cut it, it's pretty hard to debate that Patrick Sertan is the number one corner in the league. The only thing you could really pick nits on with Sertan is the ball production. But in my opinion, Zach, that's even more evidence of him being the the, exactly. the number one shutdown guy. Quarterbacks don't like going at him. Ball production, I mean, with the exception of Champ Bailey's, uh, what was that, 2005 season, I mean, and a few other exceptions around the NFL historically, most of the number one shutdown guys, Zach, they're not putting up prolific interception numbers unless they get lucky off tips here and there and stuff like that because quarterbacks don't go their way. Yeah, and, you know, I'd rather take a cornerback that's shutting down half the field consistently than someone like Trevon Diggs, for example, who was on that list, who might get 10 picks a year, but he's also getting, uh, you know, cooked in coverage on half his snaps. I don't know the metric for which they use to grade these things, but I do feel like if Sertan's name was Sauce Sertan, then he would have been number one. It's just, it's that... The reputation that Gardner had coming into the NFL already gave him a leg up. He played on a better defense with better talent, and he faced weaker receivers than Patrick Sertan. Those who know, know. I think the knowledgeable fan, not just the casual fan, not just a talking head looking for a clickbait story or some engagement, knows that PS2 is the best corner in the NFL. Exactly. Uh, I think I haven't looked across the entire thing yet. We'll figure out which of the lists we end up wanting to write and talk about. But Russ was like 20. Was he like 20, 21, 22 quarterback? Did you see that? I don't remember. No. I'm going to find it. Keith, what's up, bro? Uh, he says, where? and thank you for being with us, big dog. The support every single night, you demand. He says, where does Marquez Callaway land on the depth chart? Starter, a backup, or practice squad that's a really interesting question hard to say right now where we really zach would have to take a, a guess on that but uh if i'm remembering right marquez callaway subject of uh one of the talking points anyway today from sean payton yeah. we can get into that but what's your answer for for keith he actually just pulled up the quote he gave a pretty big uh detailed answer on callaway starter I mean, obviously not because you have so many other receivers ahead of him, but I think for sure he'll be like a, the fifth receiver on the depth chart. If they keep six, maybe the sixth receiver, he'll make the 53, I'm assuming, because Sean Payton was with him in New Orleans, and he talked about him today and said, uh, he's in a good group. I think we've got some depth there, and we've got good competition there. So that kind of answers your question, Keith. He'll be competing for a role. He's not going to start, but I could see him being a rotational backup this year. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead just because it's worth the, – the the context of what he says here is worth it on the subject of Marquez. 
He was asked what he saw from Marquez Callaway back in 2021 in New Orleans. So that was Sean's last season with the Saints that allowed him to take a step forward because he ended up having a decent uh, kind of an emergent season, not like breakout, but emergent, I'll say. Sean, quote, he had one of those training camps that surprised us, uh, surprised us a little bit. He was a free agent out of Tennessee. We had a lot of success in those years with 15 years of college free agents making the roster. You've heard me say this. Once they get here, once we've drafted players, we've signed free agents, we've tried players out. Once they get here, how they got here is of no importance to us. That's the art of just procuring players. Once they're here, we're going to go by. Aha. Whoa. Connecting some dots here to Tannenbaum and Parcells. Once they get here, Zach, we're going to go by what we see. Marquez made a real strong impression. His weight is a little high right now, and he'll get that down. I kind of like the skill players at that right out of college weight. Occasionally, they'll get over that, but he's someone that found a niche, uh, a niche, and then all of a sudden, he's in the starting lineup. Zach, so uh, I'll close that quote there, but He's a guy that I don't think the Broncos are viewing as a starting caliber guy this year, like relative to who's on the, the death chart right now. But he's a guy that I think they they view him as a starting caliber guy. That was a bad way to say it, but not a guy they're earmarking for a starting job right now. Yeah, I feel like the way to put it is if they were to suffer an injury to Judy or Sutton or Patrick, again, I they would feel comfortable with Callaway in the starting lineup. Um, there's a reason why they signed him, and I feel like, he's one of several former saints to come reunite with Sean Payton because Payton has something in mind for him. What that role is will be determined, but I think a key backup is in his future. Mike, thank you so much, bro, for the support, for the stars, the encouragement, looking forward to seeing you later on Twitter and just all that you bring to our community, big dog. Um, Really appreciate you. This is something too. Keith brings up sauce Gardner for what it's worth was the first all pro First, first team all pro uh, as a rookie corner since Ronnie Lott. And for those who think of Ronnie Lott as the devastating, hard-hitting safety, uh, he did get his start as a football player, as a corner, and then transitioned to uh, to safety. So, yeah, there there is some historical distinction there, Keith, it, what you're saying about Sauce Gardner. But I'm sorry. I did, based on what I watched of Sauce last year, he was not better. Uh, than Patrick Sertan, and I think there's an argument to be made that Sertan faced significantly stiffer uh, assignment matchups throughout the season, and I don't know. Again, it's it's lists, it's arbitrary, um, but it is something that you know helps us keep the conversation going right now when times are slow. I mean, he could be the first All-Pro since Ronnie Lott. It doesn't make him the best corner in the NFL. Uh, Sertan was an All-Pro, too. Uh, he's more technically sound. He faced better competition. The only receiver I can recall giving PS2 problems was Devontae Adams. I mean, he shut down pretty much everyone else, and he doesn't do so by tugging on players' jerseys constantly like Sauce Garner does. And Garner, again, he came into the NFL with this star-studded rep. He had the nickname. He had the, the flashy look, the flashy personality. Patrick Sertan is not flashy. He doesn't play for a flashy team yet. He's kind of low-key, quiet, but he goes out there and does his job just as good, if not better. He's the best corner in the NFL. I don't care what PFF says. All right, guys. I think this is the last subject, and then we're going to dip on out of here. So, uh, If you have anything burning, getting in the chat, uh, get it in the chat, and we will get to it before we dip. But Dylan bringing up this uh, point, he's a stickler on this with Albert O. He's like, I've been saying Albert O ain't it. 
has his moments, but they're just that moments. And uh, I would overall concur with you on that big dog. And I'm glad that you said that in the chat. And this is another thing. Yes. Dulcich already has chemistry yeah. with Russ. Um, but I was reminded Albert O Zach, you know, Noah Fant was this speedster tight end, right? Who ran a four five at the combine coming out of uh, Iowa. Albert O ran the four, four, nine 40, right? Had him by a 10th of a, of a second. Do you remember what Greg Dulcich's 40 time was? Cause I don't, I'm going to Google it. Real uh, quick. Four, check it out real quick. Dul Dulcich ran a four, seven. Oh, so here's what's in what's interesting about that is there's how fast a guy is in underwear, right? Running in a straight line. And there's how fast a guy is in pads, playing football with the bullets flying, et cetera. And again, that goes back to another thing Sean Payton said today, which is, you know, hey, we can get excited about certain guys right now, uh, but we try not to get too uh, too caught up in that because you really see what's what when the pads go on. And I'll tell you, Albert O, Zach, he has shown a propensity and ability to make plays uh, in a smaller sample size, but there is something I think unique uh and, you know, I like seeing Alberto leaping over dudes and the want to that he has with the ball in his hands. Like, there's a lot that I do like about Alberto. But Dulcich, man, he has just something about him. Like, it's a perception thing, like the way he sees the field, the way he's able to move in space and the different things. His speed might not, in a straight line, Zach, be as fast as Alberto. But when the pads are on and you watch it uh, in real time, he looks like a faster player than Alberto. So, like, defies... Uh, some of the, you know, whatever you want to call it, defies the physics or whatever. But that's what Sean Payton's talking about is, hey, there's there's OTA speed and there's live speed, you know, real games, pads on, etc. Dulcich has the R word going in his favor as well, and that's reliability. You can count on his sure hands for the most part. And you really can't do that with Albert O. Do you remember in 2021 that Steelers game, which I think was after week five, if I'm not mistaken, Teddy Bridgewater lobbed a long pass down the right sideline and it went right through Albert O's hands. And I feel like that was the perfect microcosm of who Albert O has been as an NFL player to date. Close, but no cigar. Right there, but still far away. And He's been Chad in two different dog houses now. Two different coaching staffs have not played Alberto. There's a reason for that. I don't know what he's doing wrong off the field or in practice and in film study, but he's not getting it done. Whereas Dulcich is the more complete player and he'll get the playing time. I'm glad you brought up the hands too, because I'd also, uh, since today seems to be the day for anecdotes, I'm reminded of his debut as a Bronco. If you guys can remember, 2020 the pandemic season after drew lock gets hurt misses some time then they get a buy remember the buy was like week four that year it was so yeah. weird then they come back and they're on the road in new england drew lock goes on to become the youngest quarterback at the time i don't know if this has changed since then but youngest quarterback to ever win at foxborough but he should have had 300 something yards four or five touchdowns because he was dropping dimes that whole game but the receivers in particular that day, Zach, just struggled tremendously with drops, including multiple touchdowns. And Albert O was one of those guys. That was literally his debut as a Bronco. Uh, and he was a guy that dropped two touchdowns. And if memory serves, he, he ended up with like four drops on the day. 
So, yes, this is not a guy whose hands are, are all that reliable. I don't know Dulcich's drop statistics off the top of my head. My head I don't recall exactly from uh, year one from his rookie season, but he's just a more, to, to quote you, Zach, the R word, more reliable. Was that the game that Jerry Judy also dropped like two t- touchdown yes. passes as well? Yes. That was a freaking disaster, just, man. And they still won. It was like five field goals or whatever, you know, nine field goals or not nine. It was a weird score too, like 20 to 19 or something like that. But yeah, Locke, one of Locke's few uh, few moments of triumph post-rookie season. I feel like that plagued him a lot, though. He got really no help from a supporting cast. But that's why I feel Sean Payton is already so in tune with uh, Greg Dulcich. And Dylan mentioned it. He had chemistry already on record. But when you put on the film and get past the bad from last year, as Sean Payton talked about, the good was pretty glaring. And Greg Dulcich was super reliable toward the end of the year. And I feel like that buys a lot of credit with Sean Payton. All right, guys. We got a couple messages for you. Don't leave quite yet, Um, but we're wrapping it up. That was another tremendous episode of the MHH podcast. If you're not doing so, be sure you're following us on Twitter at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at mile high huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL and Scott at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch like our new Buckham merchandise, check it out at MHHmerch.com. If you're on Facebook and not doing so, follow us on Facebook.com slash MileHuddlePod. If you're on Instagram, you can follow us at Mile underscore High underscore Huddle. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, be sure you're leaving your football pre-safe five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month. But if anything, you guys know the drill by now, but just in case not, subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow. And Richmore Broncos fans, just like you much love and respect to our great super chat superstars and supporters on facebook tonight you guys not only giving us that kind of support um but also on a night where we get it there's some really exciting things going uh happening tonight for fans of denver sports in general but a shout out to uh uh, this is facebook and youtube colby c collier doug raquel george fox howie freaking day keith brugman Michael Ronquillo, Phil McLaughlin, uh, Drake Wally, Gary Palmer, The Duchess, Michaela Parker, Naj Altaf, Sam Bam. Much love and respect. Really appreciate you. Uh, don't miss Sunday night because we will be doing the uh, raffle drawings for May for the jersey on uh, for Super Chat and Facebook. Can't wait to see you guys then. We'll see you all Sunday. Enjoy the Nuggets game tonight. Take care. And as always... Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.